Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the 60th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today, we've got Vince Pione on the mic. He's half of the directing duo, Josh and Vince. He's kind of more of the technical of the two. We'll have Josh on a little bit later to talk more performances in a subsequent episode. But this conversation is really great. He kind of digs in on the evolution of how they came to be together as a directing duo and what it's like to work with a partner. Yeah, and Vince has directed a lot of cool campaigns. He's done a ton of college humor videos as well, like many of our guests, but he also did a really big campaign in Europe for Zoolander, the movie. They've done a lot of commercial stuff and they are working on getting some TV stuff off the ground. So I think Vince specifically is gonna be a really interesting conversation about kinda how they did it. Here we go. Vince Pion, right? Pion, Pion, depending on who you talk to in my family. We're very divided. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, hi Vince's mom, sorry Vince's dad. (laughs) Vince Pion, college humor director, Turned to big time fancy pants. Is this everybody in LA flatters? Yeah, everyone in LA. Flatters. What are those Dolce and Gabbana pants? What? No, no. Rag and bone. No, they're actually Acne oh. Acne Studios, but I got them last week. So cool. Acne. Yeah, like the pimple. Yeah, isn't it Acne or is it Acme? Well, if, it, if it's with an N or an M, that's the question, right? <laughs> I said it sort of so you couldn't tell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like a whitehead, basically. <laughs> exactly. It's coming. In. It's coming in. It's coming in. Well, cool. Vince, you are half of the directing duo, Josh and Vince, but you also direct on your own. And you're a shooter as well, right? Yeah, that was my background. I, I studied cinematography in college. So I guess you could say I come at it from that from that angle. But yeah, jo- Josh and I have been working together for many years. We sort of started out like our partnership was interesting because it was kind of like, hey, uh, I have a pickup truck. I have a shovel. We can help each other. And now we're sort of like, you know, we've both grown into directors. Um, Wait, those, those are metaphors, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Because yeah. I did have a pickup truck and it, it was <laughs> genuinely crucial to my career to be able to <laughs> like pick hurt. up gear and stuff. You know? Of course. Did you? But it, <laughs> yeah. But everything gets soggy. <laughs> yeah, well, not in, not in Los Angeles. Got like, it, got it. Yeah, so we started out sort of like with these pretty individual, you know, strengths where Josh was like much better at talking to actors because he had studied acting and I was way more sort of visual and like almost logistical kind of director. Technical um, guy. Technical, thank you. And, you know, we, where did that end up? Uh, we kind of just like now are just two directors that work together. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But we're like always, you know how to talk to actors and he knows y- how to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, is there like a time when you realize you have like the same sense of humor and that you guys like the same things? Is that a big part of it? Yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of our influences are very much the same. Like Josh and I really hit it off because we were, we were in a sketch group together mm-hmm. with Sam Reich, who's been on the show, right. and Elaine, Sam's lovely and super funny wife, and a guy named Matt Moore. And Josh and I were... So, you know, we all had like little insidery things, but Josh and I had movies. So we'd always like look over to each other and, and you know, reference the most obscure line in, uh, you right. know, the Coen Brothers movies. Sure, sure. The, the obscure Coen Brothers movies, yeah. like second tier Coen Brothers. Gotcha. You know. You were like, hey, lady killers jokes, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Lady killers. Uh, exactly. I'm just naming the bad ones. Yeah, no country for old men. <laughs> right? So good. So good. I've heard of it. So yeah, you know, it's funny. We were talking earlier before we started recording about our shared history. Like those Dutch West shorts were some of the very first shorts that I 
put on the website atom.com or Adam Films. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, well, those residual checks tomorrow. keep coming in. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Well, thank Kelly Williams, the accountant over Wait, there. Can, okay. Before, I, since speaking on behalf of sure. listeners, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. <laughs> what are Dutch sure. West shortsies or you and. Yeah, so basically, Josh. me, Josh, and Sam Lane, Matt, we formed a sketch group basically like predating YouTube that was right. as Adam's yeah, was. Yeah. But yeah, we were, we, were, we were just making sketches for ourselves that were, there was no rhyme or reason. Some of them were 12 minutes long and they were just basically, you know, shorts where we were just playing, you know, but they were cool and they were fun. And I was making, I was in college at School of Visual Arts and I was like renting gear every weekend and no one else was renting gear. And I was like, why wouldn't you rent gear? You're paying for this. Yeah. But yeah, we'd make these silly little shorts and put them online. And before too long college humor and places like Adam were like, oh, cool, you do that. Well, it's funny, we're- uh, We need we're, some people to do that. Yeah, yeah. I wanna come do what you do and make money. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, uh-huh. <laughs> Which yeah. is pretty cool. It was kind of just the dawning of that first video internet age. Right. right? Like it's pre-YouTube, but like some places were willing to pay because they knew that there was a future in it eventually. It was visionary. Yeah. Some people yeah. still think there's a future. <laughs> yeah, well, fingers crossed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Networks love giving, love giving you money and yeah. then deciding they don't have a, a network anymore. Right, <laughs> exactly. So you were in a sketch group, a comedy sketch group with Josh, who is more of an actor. You're a yes. little more of a DP. What, at what point do you say, hey, we should co-direct stuff? Like, we're, like when do you... Cause, I feel like you start making those videos before you start calling yourself the directors. <clears throat> yeah, so one guy's just holding the camera and like telling someone what to do. And well, well, our yeah. our relationship changed a lot, you know, because Josh would Josh is such a funny actor and loves acting to this day, and so Josh would act, I would direct. Josh would direct, I would shoot. We would co-direct. You know, the relationship was always changing. Josh would write something and direct, I'd shoot. We were always doing always doing different things, so. I think it really started to turn though when we got hip to the idea that people liked teams mm -hmm. and we were like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah, we do this already kind of like mm -hmm. naturally. And, you know, people were coming to us. We were, we were kind of like College Humor was doing the beginning of like the branded work. Mm -hmm. So we'd be doing these spots for College Humor, which were like basically a very unrealistic foray into commercials because right. everything we made was well-received. Right. which is not the case or shouldn't be. But, you know, we'd make videos for ourselves basically and brands trusted us. Right. So Josh and I would make these videos and people would be like, hey, you people that do that, are you interested in the big leagues kids? And, uh, you know, we took a few meetings and we ended up, you know, forming a company and and going at all these projects as, as a duo. Well, and also like the other big advantage is like you're doing brands that are huge like yeah. like fortune 500 companies like normally i think commercial directors kind of start off doing like smaller brands no one's heard of with smaller budgets but the branded world you just kind of hopscotch and it's just people who have enough money to play right and then let you just go do this weird thing and then before you know it you've got spots for brands everyone's heard at of. college humor we did right. yeah yeah i mean it's 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 such a funny thing like there's always play money you know, with these big companies and College Humor was like. And we're talking about like a Pepsi, right? Like that size company. Yeah, like Vitamin Water was a big one for us. We did a, like a, a series of prank videos that 
made us like prank video guys for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and those were with College and, Humor? They weren't with uh, Break? No, yeah, they were with College Humor. Oh, because Break did a bunch of those hidden yeah, camera was, vitamin had, water videos. They also. had play, play money for Break too, apparently. Yeah. And they would sort of just, you know, give people money and say, hey, do what you do for yourself and kind of make it loosely tie into this campaign we're running. Yeah, I feel like those companies kind of, when they get hip to it, like if something hits... And they're like, wait a minute, this gets so many more eyeballs than the million dollar Super Bowl spot we just spent money on. Right. Like, break, funny or die, college humor. Like, let's spread it around. Everybody gets some, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was a little uphill at times, you know, because they, they were so traditional in, the, in their thinking. And they always made us shoot like a product shot, right. you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, we were able to to leverage the cool of college humor and be like, look, you lost our audience. Like you're just so much, it's just so much better. And you know, you're, you're sneaking in. It's, it's a good piece of content that happens to be brought to you by vitamin water. And, you know, I think we proved ourselves enough times that people started to listen. Cause you know, like a couple of those spots were on like good morning America and stuff. And it's like, that's not, that's, you're not going to get that if you put right. a cheesy, like, you know, antiquated commercial yeah. tag at the end. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's like making a good commercial that goes viral is the same as making a viral video. Like it's just hit or miss. Like every commercial that aired during the Super Bowl is shown many times for free. Like, right. Every, I saw like 20 websites that are like, all the Super Bowl commercials, check these out. Here are our favorites. Here are worse. Like just being a Super Bowl commercial gets you that like good morning America type of press. So I don't know. I think it's like, there's no rhyme or reason or no. why something, I mean, there is a rhyme or reason, but it's really hard to replicate. I mean, you know? I think it's usually what, what sets everything apart is, is trust. I think right. when you, when you say like, look, you guys know what you're doing, you're good at it. You know, here's a seed of an idea, you know, develop it, blow it out a little bit, write it. That's, that's right. a big one. Like our favorite, my favorite work is like not the expensive stuff. It's, it's the stuff that the brand came to us really early on and was like, what do you think of this? And we workshopped it and came up with something clever that, you know, used the resources that we had properly. And we got to make something fun that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't always happen. In fact, one of my favorite things cost us money. <laughs> which was that? Can you say? Yeah. The, <laughs> the Zoolander two piece that we did, Yeah, yeah. which was like, a phone call from our friend producer at Ed, Ed Vogue, who's like, "Do you guys want to, um, you guys want to fly to Paris and shoot this secret prank that's happening on the runway?" Like, absolutely, uh, good. We have like five thousand dollars, and it's like, well, it costs more than that, <laughs> a lot more just to yeah. get there. But you know, in <laughs> oh, the that end, included it, your flights. I don't know. Actually, maybe not. Like, yeah, we, but yeah. we got you free baguettes, free baguettes, and free croissants. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, tuck, tucked into a room with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and Anna Winter. Right. It's like we're we're gonna do that. Like, yeah, and, and no matter what it is, we're so, gonna do it. And I feel like I remember when that piece like went big, I mean, probably because we have a lot of friends in common, but I was like, oh, this is everywhere, right? It was like, it was for Zoolander 2 and like Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller basically were doing what fashion show was it? It was like- uh, Valentino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like big time, high fashion. And it was oh, like, surprise, so here we time. are. Like yeah. there was an old woman who pushed me backstage just like to, because I was like just an object in her way. Like she just, she looked like the old Navy lady, you know, with like just really funny glasses and like really crisp hair. Perfect. And she just like shoved me out of the way. And everywhere I looked, there was someone like some very undeveloped girl who was nude. Yeah. So it was just like, I, I there's like nowhere good to look. And some old woman just pushed me. Um, is, it sounds like uh, Donald Trump's daily uh, <laughs> routine. Um, 
So can you tell us what the concept was for that? Yeah, they well, so we were we had heard that they were they were gonna announce Zoolander 2. It was really smart on Paramount's part by unleashing Ben and Owen on the runway in the middle of this high profile Paris Fashion Week fashion show. So they basically just asked us to go shoot some content that kind of like framed the prank, which was us tucked into a room where the walls weren't even real. They were just like like thick sheets that were just like somebody put a lot of effort into like hammering them into like, you know, a frame. And it was like, why not just put a wall? This, yeah. you know. So we were backstage, quote unquote, with these guys and and we shot this video that needed to go online immediately after the runway prank happened. So essentially, you know, we shot it, you know, I'm getting like the equivalent of like a, a French Uber on the street with all of our gear going back to like an Airbnb flat and we're editing and color correcting on the spot. Brendan Banks came with us, who's like a brilliantly talented filmmaker out of the East Coast. And basically every 10 minutes that we spent being nitpicky, like the fall off was so extreme mm-hmm. for who would watch the video. Right. So it was like, it reached a point where it's like, okay, let's do this now. Because you were worried that just like the press coverage that was actually there was going to scoop you? Uh, well, you know, news the news of the prank was spreading really quickly right. and it was like one of those like fiery kind of things that right. we just, you know. We, right. People we are going to search for this prank and you want your content to be there already. You want to be right, and it's, yeah. you know, after the lunch break in New York, it, it's starting to die down a little right. bit. So it's like, okay, quick, get this video right. up. Hi, guys. Hey, Anna. You ready? Totally. Okay, let's see the walk. Well, I'm going to keep it simple today. Usually, I go right, left, right, left, right, left. But today, I'm going to start left in honor of how the sun rotates. My people wanted me to start right, but I said, it's 2012, it's time for something different. They said, it's 2015. I said, agree to disagree, because it's one of those things you can never really tell, so. Right. How about you, Hansel? So just to get into the nitty gritty a little bit, I always get like super stressed out when I have to shoot prank stuff, because I just like love shot lists and like storyboards <laughs> and knowing exactly how things are going. Control. The trick is just just yeah. to fake it. <laughs> well yeah that's and that, that's a problem whenever like half of these branded prank things are like fake i mean yeah. probably 90 percent of them are fake which is like frustrating. most like most yeah. news you yeah, know yeah. that opposes yeah, right. the president <laughs> right right and polls but so you don't have much money right for this they you have these celebrities that you don't know you're not like personal friends with them right so you don't know if they're going to be cool or do whatever you want them to do how do you prepare to like how many cameras are you bringing? What's the whole strategy behind yeah. doing well, you a can, shoot like that? I mean, you can set yourself up for success in that, you know, you go in with like a very specific game plan. I think in that case, like the room was so small that it was as simple as like, what side do we start on and look at, into? And in the room is Owen Wilson, Anna Wintour, and Ben Stiller. Yeah, and there's no bathroom, so it's not like so. At one point, Owen had to like go use the bathroom, so and like you know they didn't want to give it up the prank because rumor spreads quick at these things. So they're like photographers backstage or whatever. So he like wrapped his head in just like a, you know some like <laughs> random piece of cloth and went out to go pee. Yeah. Was, so you, I read those uh, fashion trends. Like bag, <laughs> bag heads were like so in vogue oh, that yeah. season. It was oh, great. Yeah. Wait, so are you documenting just the people that are pulling the prank before and after? Are you also, no, so, also shooting the prank itself? Yeah. There, so we didn't, we, we pulled footage from the prank for our own purposes, but we were shooting like a backstage moment with the guys that was scripted that I think... I think John Daly might have written. Oh, right. Because um, he was working, or maybe still is working for Stiller. But it was really funny copy, you know, and those guys are just like, 
Stiller is so sharp and just yeah. goes in so prepared. And we were, it's funny, we were backstage and it was, if you can't tell, it was mayhem. And Anna Winter walks in, she's like, just starts doing the bit mm-hmm. that she probably got on her phone about 20 minutes prior. Right. And we just like looked at each other and we're like, rolling? <laughs> and we got maybe half and walked, you know, we were like, okay. It was like, you know, the whole bit was like a minute and then maybe change long. And as soon as, <laughs> as soon as that had happened, or as soon as we, we were like, okay, cut it. She's like, so we're good, right? We're good. <laughs> yeah, right. Like one more, just, one more, yeah, just you know, something. one more. Cause she just walked in and started doing the bit. So funny. We, we weren't ready. Well, were you directing them much? Like, were you saying like, Ben, I think. Should, yeah. There, we, had a, punk, we had a, we had a funny moment. Line a little more. Well, like, so I had, you know, we were, super, super lean. And I had gone in and lit everything prior to Ben and Owen showing up. And I was the first person Ben wanted to see. So, cause I had lit it and he's like, you know, so I'm in the room with just him and he's like, so I can do this and this, but not this. I'm like, exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know, Sorry, he, blocking wise. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know, turning and he's like, I don't want to, yeah, I'm not going this way. I'm going this way. He was like getting makeup done while he was talking. And he, I heard he really is, cannot turn left. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Relative to uh, what direction he's facing. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, so there was a moment where he was like, I think he realized that he was like, not being bossy, but like being mm-hmm. hyper specific as most, you know, professionals are. And he was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what, what, what I'm, I'm Ben, I'm Ben. Hi. I'm like, hey, I'm Vince. And then he's like, so what do you think? You know? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, look, I'm here to make you look good. Yeah. yeah. This way is going to look great. This way is not going to, you know? Yeah. Well, good was, on him, right? Yeah, like, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, you know, was, uh, the takeaway was that Ben was a cool guy. Yeah. And cool. do you have like a shot list? Do you, or do you, are you like, we have so little time and so few resources. I'm just going to do like a wide shot and then coverage. And, and see where they go. I mean, that one wasn't rocket science. It was like, you know, it was supposed to be kind of verite feeling. And mm-hmm. like, we had an angle on the phone that he was using to record himself with, like if we, you know, if everything else failed. So we kind of just like, you know, set up a, a few angles that we were excited about. And like, we sort of winged that one a little bit. We yeah, really and how many time. cameras did you guys have? Three. Yeah. 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 So you, you kind of knew everything was rolling. You're going to get something. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Like really, C100 yeah. kind of ENG style. I think it was even leaner than that. I mean, this was five like, D's or yeah, something. This was two years ago, it was five D's. Yeah. Well, and they were recording with a, a selfie stick, if I remember correctly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you knew you had that as well. Right. Yeah. So that was our backup. I think we only used one one angle anyway. Oh, it's just like you know, we didn't have really much time to edit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah. Throw it in there. Great. See, when I'm panicking with that type of thing, I'm always like, more cameras, more footage, more uh-huh. takes. Yeah. And then it's like you have so much footage, and you're like, oh, I don't want to yeah. cut that. <laughs> That's the that's apocalypse now, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. so much film. Yeah, so much film. Well, so let's talk because you kind of have made a really great transition from like doing prank videos, branded videos, sketches into you know more scripted stuff. How did you make that transition? How did you? And what are you doing now? Yeah, I think in a way it never went away. We sort of just got distracted by making commercials, but you know we'd scratch the itch and occasionally and write a short and make it over a weekend or something. I made a stop motion short, which was like not what I do, but needed to do it. So in that, I was always kind of like letting a little bit of air out of the balloon. But, you know, I think with the branded stuff, it's it's funny, like, you know, we'll we'll sort of like, we'll do, we'll do spots and we'll just, you know, we'll have like a, a three-day casting session and bring in buddies and bring in, you know, people we haven't met before. And that's like in a way somewhat, like more inspiring than anything because hmm. we just meet these types, you know, and, and sometimes we were so character 
minded that it's like most of the projects we write are very character driven. So basically like, we'll you know, we'll bring these actors in, we'll meet these actors and we're like, we really should be writing parts for individuals mm-hmm. and playing to people's strengths. So that's always really cool. And in the commercial space too, you get to, you get to stretch sometimes, which is nice. Like mm-hmm. we hired like one of my favorite DPs of all time at one point. Oh, um, which one? Bob Yeoman. Mm, yeah. Like, wow. Hot off of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Decided to shoot a Lucky Charms campaign. Whoa. And it was like, you know, I read about him in American Cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. College. It was like mm-hmm. I would, every Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, and he's done, he's like cheated on Wes and done some like great comedies, Bridesmaids. He's right, like been, right. you know, been around. Yeah, it was like working with him, even though it was a Lucky Charms commercial, was like a kind of a dream come true. I think I've seen those spots. It's the Matt McCarthy. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he's so funny too. So Matt's that's great. I mean, Matt's a buddy too. It's it's nice when, you know, that, that agency Sachi was just like, you know, we trust you guys. We know you guys, you know, just feed us some feed us some funny stuff. Here's a, here's a, here's a loose script, mm-hmm. you know, just go do it. Yeah. And you know, we wrote it around Matt because we're like, Matt is obviously the perfect human incarnation of their leprechaun. Right. He's so funny. So yeah. So th- that's when it's like, that's when commercials become fun. Right. When you get to kind of like try something new, work with somebody you've always wanted to on, on a company dime. I, I'm curious. Cause I'm, I keep running into this. Do you guys see a giant difference when you have to use union actors, like SAG actors versus non-union actors? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really just the pool, right? But I think you know we have our go-to's. There are non-union go-to's that are mm-hmm. they're just like great standbys, and they're like they kill it every time. And you know, I, I think as long as you know those people, but it it, it is a dwindling pool because in this internet ad world. People, I mean, I'm working on something right now where it's like, they cannot be union. Like, they yeah. have to say, I am not in SAG, like in the audition, <laughs> on tape, like on set everywhere. And I'm like, okay, but they will not be great. Actors. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah the, the days of the Wild West are gone where it was yeah. like, whatever. Yeah, like, mm, it's fine. Yeah. 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 And it's like giant brands that don't want, they want everything in perpetuity. They want to be able to do anything right. for the, you know, $300 they gave that actor. Right, right, um, exactly. So, I don't know, it's it's tough. Do you, when you guys are talking to clients or agencies and they're like, yeah, we decided to go non-union on this, do you guys ever push back and say, you know, I can get this really amazing actor, but he's union, or do you say like, oh, great, yeah, I don't think we need union actors. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is disheartening sometimes because it, it does limit you. And it's always nice to like, if you really like somebody, you just, you bring them in to the union right. and if they want to be, which is like a, like a nice thing to do for people. But the other way around doesn't always work as smoothly. <laughs> right. um, so some some people do go FICOR, you know, yeah. like, which is interesting. That's kind of yeah. like the other strategy, financial core, which means basically you opt out of certain SAG benefits, but you're allowed to work non-union. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like we're we're sort of in that in that gray area, and I, this will be resolved at some point. You know, it's starting to be. Especially unions are just a funny thing for the way that things actually work nowadays. Yeah, like I just joined the DGA, and it's you know, it's it sort of makes it intentionally hard to make low budget things. Mm-hmm. It's great when you don't want to do something, you say sorry, DGA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, like making my own short or something like that. It's like I know people who've gone so far as to leave the union, make their film, mm-hmm. and then come back. But what about commercials? They're not covered at all by the DGA. Commercials, yeah, yeah, a lot. Most of the time, yeah, most of the work we do is DGA now. But you can do non-DGA. Uh, it's not supposed to. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I you can't. You can't, go by you can't hear it, but I'm waiting. Van and Jace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Van and Jace, they're so good too. 
I think that the DGA contracts are being the new round of negotiations has already happened, but that they're announcing things in August. And the rumor is that they're really trying to address new media productions in particular. Yeah, and Favreau is a, a huge ambassador of that. He's He's been really great with, you know, the new media thing. And oh, interesting. To me, it's like if SAG figured it out, everyone else would, would follow. Like, well, they cut those raw deals, though, right? Like, the, there's so many shitty deals from SAG, basically. I think, I mean, to me, it's to all, all it has to do is scale with the production budget or the yeah. media buy or whatever. Because I get, look... If you're spending a million dollars on an ad campaign, it's not fair that you pay an actor $300 and that's it. But if you're spending $10,000 on an ad campaign, you can't pay the actor $9,000. Starts know? to make sense. Yeah. On Mad Men, they had this episode years ago where like John Hamm was arguing with someone about how many actors they can fit in an ad. They're like, well, we, we only have enough budget for residuals for one actor. So, And you wrote an ad with nine actors in it. That's so funny. And yeah, I, that's, like, I mean, there, that, were, there, were, there were heydays. I mean, we, we know a lot of actors who are just like faces that you've seen in sure. TV movies and commercials from the 90s. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. And I mean, they did so well. I yeah. mean, it was like, the, that was like when things were, when you were actually making money. And I think a lot of people like nowadays, you know, there's this, there's this obvious lure to it, but it's, it's not it's as not, glamorous. It's, not it's really, really tough. Yeah. Well, I, and I think like more and more commercial work is going non-union. Yeah. Like it used to be very, very rare. And now like I've heard like 50% of all commercial work is non-union. Yeah, my like, wife has a friend, a non-union friend that's on this TV, like a Pets.com commercial or something. It's on TV all the time, and he gets no residuals. No residuals. Like network television. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he's like the spokesperson. He got like $600. You know? My my wife was in, do you guys remember those Ashton Kutcher Nikon ads? Yeah. 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 So my wife is a bridesmaid in the wedding that he's shooting. And that, Amazing. that shot, Bennett Miller from like Capote, you know, right. like, uh, like a, a fucking awesome director. Wrestling movie. Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. Yeah. So awesome. He he directed those spots. And like it was right before the writer strike. Mm-hmm. And so like I was out of work and like no there was no production going, but as a result, those spots ran all the time. And we'd like just gotten married. So I <laughs> joke that like those that campaign like saved my life, basically. We definitely it got re-upped a couple times, it was renegotiated. Yeah. And since then, like I mean, if you're in a Super any, Bowl spot, you can make like a hundred thousand dollars. Way to way to way to make a profit off of wartime, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you war hawk. Yeah, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the writer strike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you and Josh are like, are you doing any TV stuff or yeah? So stuff. Our show, uh, our show with Comedy Central, they passed, which was like a really really painful process. Not because they said no, but it took a while. Can you just mm-hmm. give us a little more context? You pitched a show, you sold the script, you shot a pilot. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so the trajectory was we we took a buddy Brooke Posh out to lunch and said, "Hey, how are you? We just finished. I think we just finished Strong Island. Oh, that makes which sense. Which we were yeah. on a phone call about. Yeah, as yeah. I, as I just realized and learned <laughs> what's today. Strong Island. So Strong Island was a CC Studios original series. Yes, with, digital series. Yeah. yeah, that that Josh and I had had directed on. Like a uh, 10, 10 minute episode type of thing? I think it was only five minutes. Yeah, it felt, it was shorter. It was, yeah. Yeah, so it was with Gabrus and... Justin Tyler. Yes. Yeah, great duo. So they, we had made this series. We took, or rather, Brooke took us out to lunch to kind of like... And who is, is Brooke, an executive so, of some Yeah, sort? Brooke was uh, an executive in development. At and Comedy she, Central. At Comedy, yeah. And she... Uh, it was kind of just like a postmortem, and and uh, she's like, "So what else you uh, you have kicking around?" And we said, "Well, you know Henry. Oh, we love Henry. You know, uh, yeah, we love Henry too. Henry's great. Henry Zabrowski. 
he's doing great. He's an actor that you guys had worked with. Yeah, he he he'd also just done. I think he was. I think it was right around then. He had just done Wolf of Wall Street, and he got upgraded. That's a story for him to tell you. But he was like one of the only guys willing to take a shirt off and do uh, you know a line of cocaine off of a prostitute's uh, butt. What? Um, yeah. Who would not do that? Uh, the other guy in the movie that wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. Not saying. Anyway, Henry got upgraded and he was just doing amazing stuff. And we went to lunch. We're like, we love Henry. And we, we'd really like try, try to find a vessel for him. And we keep joking about Henry as a clumsy serial killer. Mm-hmm. And Brooke was like, oh my God, you guys plus Henry plus that concept equals me giving you money. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So that happened pretty quick. She gave us like, I think she gave us a very small amount of money. The most that she could give to leave us alone. To write a script? Yeah, to write a, a, a pilot presentation. Oh, okay. So there were, yeah, it was sort of like we could go two routes. We could go the traditional pilot sense where it's like network breathing down your neck mm-hmm. and you know you really have to trust yourself as a writer. And at that point, I don't think we did, but we were executors. That was what we did. We mm-hmm. made 2,000 videos of College Humor. We were like right. on set every day. Right. If week. you know execution, you know serial killing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we ended up taking a little bit of money and going off and doing whatever we wanted. So we brought back this piece to them, which was like an 18-minute pilot presentation, which made the rounds at Comedy Central. And we had it was it was validating because we had people from all over the network reaching out to us separately and being like, "Oh my God, this is the best thing we've ever seen come mm-hmm. through." We're and like, are you allowed to tell us what kind of budget you had to shoot it? Yeah, they what? gave us 50 grand. Oh. Five of which went to flying John Hurd out from Beverly Hills <laughs> Airport. Are you shot in New York? You be shot in New York. Yeah. Okay. There's a Beverly Hills airport, right? Uh, Burbank, probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've flown there. Unless he took like a private jet. You know, there's, what, there's a Santa Monica airport. That's yeah, that could yeah. be shutting down this, yeah. this okay. year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we really wanted like, you know, this to be almost like he, him being like our Danny DeVito of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's always sunny. Sunny, yeah. So anyway, we flew him out and I think it actually ended up costing us a little money. Yeah. That all makes in. sense. $50,000 is not a ton of money. Right. Especially when. You're flying people out, and you really want it to be great, you right? Know? Right, and we put yeah, we put it, we put our backs into it, and you know. And do made, you? I mean, I, I'm assuming you have a little network in New York, but when you're doing like a fifty thousand dollar pilot presentation, are you paying for equipment? You're paying your crew. You're paying locations. Yeah, or is it kind of half and half. We used um, yeah, this company Dream Machine Creative, who it was like the perfect time for us to hit them up for a favor. I think we, you know, Dylan Steinberg, who runs the company, is a buddy and he would always do a favor. But I think we, you know, we were kind of feeding them some commercial work at the time. Mm-hmm. We said, hey, do you want to go get weird with us? A lot of blood, a lot of blood happening upstate New York next weekend. He's like, yeah, of course. That was cool. <laughs> and, and when you um, say and, feeding them commercial work, though, it's basically you guys are booking jobs and then saying, oh, this is the production company that we like to work with. Right, right. right. So, so he was he was making money right. off of this relationship already. Right. And then you were like, hey, I need to borrow some gear and insurance yeah and it's it's definitely not that black and white dylan's like also just a great guy sure yeah. you know (laughs) that is the nicest thing about commercials though is when you can start getting people you work with paid decent rates oh yeah Yeah. you feel way less bad asking them for favors that's almost in itself worth doing you know like regardless of like oh actually making a living and things yeah just being able to pay favors back is such a luxury i love making people's day too like yeah hey you know you got cast out of 300 people. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know from your Instagram, you're not doing a lot right now. <laughs> um, and we'd love to have you, yeah. you know, I love that. That's like one of my favorite things to like, just not only it's, it's, it's double, right. You get to like hang out in cool places with people you like. Right. And also they make money and you make money and everybody's happy. So, yeah. And, and I just want to hit on one point that you mentioned earlier, which is that you guys pitched this 
clumsy serial killer concept, which I mean, I know I've pitched like the Jewish serial killer. I think everyone's pitched like the clumsy serial killer. <laughs> but the reason they bought it from you is because the team and because the, the actor that you had attached. And I yeah, think it's like an important yeah. thing that a lot of people get frustrated. We're like, oh, I had that idea. But you don't have the like people don't know your voice and they don't right. know how it's going to look. So it part of it's the idea, but a bigger part of it is like trusting the team behind it, which I think. So this was right around when I was leaving, was when I was leaving Comedy Central. But so like we had worked a little bit together on the the web series that you guys had done beforehand. And from my perspective, it was like, well, of course, Josh and Vince are going to get a pilot. Like Comedy I wish Central. everyone thought that. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> but, but, but specifically, I think Comedy Central is so uh, talent oriented, right? Like they're looking at stand-ups and actors and directors and writers kind of as, as the commodity. That's the thing. So like... You know, I always joke Daniel Tosh can walk in and like pitch anything and like it can be sort of like you were saying, like ah, a familiar pitch or something like that. But they know that his voice is going to be the thing that makes it special and appealing. Right. Yeah. You know, we did our homework, too. And, you know, we it's it's a lot of going to shows and catching Mm -hmm. up and coming cool actors that people are excited about. Like Bridget Everett was another one. Reggie Watts was another one at the time. You know, Reggie was huge, but he was like it was predating his late night career it's right like reggie right. was just a like cult following yeah people were trying to find a place for reggie and we loved working with him calling him up like we did like a tumblr video with reggie and like a campaign for greenpeace mm-hmm. you know and we were just like calling up reggie as much as we could and you know and he, he that was actually i think we talk, sat down with brooke and said we love reggie we love henry and she's like oh my god we love him and they're probably comedy central is probably looking for projects for the this talent yeah. and once you're like hey i have this i mean it reminds me of like you know blades of glory like, no one would have bought a movie like, oh, let's poke fun at, like, men's figure skating. But if you say Will Ferrell as, like, a men's figure skater, then you sold it, right? Yeah. It's how things get done. Yeah, yeah, in varying tiers. But, I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's got to be a good idea, too. Right. Sure, of course. Of right. Course. But, like, all it took was you guys saying a good idea. They were just ready. Like, give us good ideas and we'll say yes to right. one. You know? Right. And I you mean, know- when, you, when you had this lunch with Brooke, are you telling her, like, you know, we always thought Henry would be this super funny, like clumsy serial killer. Like, for instance, he would be doing this and he'd like, you know, whatever, trip on his shoelaces or he'd like. Yeah, you know. I think I think the elaborate version of it was like he's Dexter, but really shitty. Mm-hmm. And he gets away with it because he is an he's a terrible serial killer, but an expert cleaner. Mm-hmm. And he works at That's like funny. this like faded like door-to-door cleaning salesman company. probably so unassuming right extremely unassuming and you know yeah squeaks by and you know the pilot was we kept on talking to people who had you know made successful pilots and were giving us good advice and they were like look make that scene write that scene that no one will forget Mm -hmm. in your pilot and once you have that just frame the entire episode around it so that scene in our pilot was the main character killing his coworker, Uh and then you know the out of anger I guess, what, why do serial killers kill? They get joy from killing? Well, it's funny because this was an education and little did Josh and I know, Henry had a podcast called Last Podcast <laughs> on the Left, which like meticulously broke down serial killer habits. Oh, wow. So how perfect. While we were, yeah, and this wasn't even, and this, wasn't, this wasn't even knowledge to us at the time. We were just like, you know, Henry's, that's a really funny part. And maybe it was in the back of our heads or something. But while we were on set, Henry asked one of the like more prolific actor questions like that I've ever been asked. He was just like, you know, this is, this is a passion crime. You know, I've, I, don't, I didn't hurt animals when I was a kid. I'm like, yeah, you definitely didn't hurt animals. And he's like, okay, great. So he like rewired his entire yeah. performance to, to think about it that way. And, 
you know, and that's, that was a big piece of it was like, he's, he's the lead and he has to be relatable and lovable. Mm -hmm, And I think that the show in success would work if Henry was like somebody who experienced things just as we do, like somebody who, Mm -hmm. you know, wrote the wrong name on your coffee cup, you know, and it's just like these little things that, that irk you, but he, rather than going to, you know, HR just murders him. Right. Is he in every scene? <laughs> Not every scene, although most, yeah, most of them. But there are like, you know, you, I think if the show were to ever go, it's with IFC now, which would be amazing. Oh, cool. So Comedy Central paid for the pilot presentation, then they passed on it, and then you were allowed to take it to IFC. Yeah, which is not common, but um, Kent Alterman, who is running Comedy Central, is great. I mean, he yeah. was he was awesome. He said, look, we're huge fans of the show, and we want to see it go. It's just not right for us. The, the network changed gears as networks do. And they were, they were basically doing a lot less serialized comedy because I guess big time didn't work out, but we were right in there at the time where they were thinking about it a lot mm. more and, you know, things shifted. They greenlit Nikki Glaser mm-hmm. and they just decided to go different, a different direction. But, you know, Kent was like, look, I'm going to make this really easy for you because we want to see it get made. Oh, TBS is doing a lot of that type of thing, right? Like with mm-hmm. search party and yeah, totally. Yeah. I think we may have gone to TBS. Yeah, we I was we took it out and IFC was just like such an obvious choice for us because it was their first note was like, guys, make the show you want to make. Right. Which was yeah. like, oh, after notes and notes and like being bogged down and like trying to turn it into a like quote unquote comedy central show with right. a joke a page, you know, it was like, you know, the show we always wanted to make was like more tonally funny, mm-hmm. a little bit more like Fargo or I guess Breaking Bad at times and mm-hmm. That was, you know, it's a tough thing when a, a big network comes to little you and says, we love your idea and you really want to impress them, even right. if it means sacrificing what you love about the show. Right. And also, I mean, you just start doubting yourself. Like they they do know what's best. Like maybe this is just what my friends and I think is funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, well, they've made hit show after hit show for 25. Like Kent basically, you know, has been at Comedy Central since you heard a Comedy Central, like he basically right. directed Strangers with Candy. Right. You know? He's a, yeah, didn't he direct Semi Pro? He did yep. direct Semi Pro. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You just have to remember that these guys, everybody probably has a lamp from Target in their house. You know, like no matter how cool and, you know, what they've done, they probably have a lamp from Target. I am, um, I, yeah, maybe you I have a lamp from Target. Target. That's, that's great lamps. That, see, that, that lamp, that's that, from Target. That is from Target. And uh, I know that because, you know, I, look, I looked at that lamp. We ended up going with the uh, tripod standing one. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little too bulky for me. Yeah, but, but there's a so, solidarity when you walk into someone's house and you're like, that's yeah, a lamp from Target. I want to tell you, yeah. I, I met a few very wealthy people, like Hollywood people, and they do not have lamps from Target. You Did you go in all the rooms? Yeah, they have like interior designers come and deck out every room. Yeah, at a certain point. I was, <laughs> yeah. we have, I, have a, I know a writer and I was staying in his place in, in Manhattan while he was, because, you know, he has places all over the place. And when we were staying at his place, which is this beautiful apartment, like his interior designer flew from Beverly Hills with a chair <laughs> and a person to help her. So you're saying there's an up. airport in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they came up, they, they put it there, they moved it like a few inches and they're like, perfect. And That's, then they left. Yeah. I swear. To God. I, have a, I have a friend who li- lives down the street, actually, who's like that. She's an interior decorator for famous people, basically. See, this is my trade yeah. secret, though. I, I imagine that they have a target lamp just like me. 
Well, I, I really instead of picturing them naked, like... that's like your picture. Of them <laughs> exactly. Naked. I mean, you know, and I put a, I put a dimmer on it. You know, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, smart. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's wow. my one up. Yeah. <laughs> so you okay. should just pay someone to buy that lamp for you, and then I just want to ask some really quick questions because we got to wrap it up soon. Yeah. Because <laughs> Vince has a flight to catch. True. But the eighteen minute mark was that something you guys planned out, or that's just you just cut the best version of the pilot presentation, and it happened to be eighteen minutes. Yeah, good question. Well, we were sort of like festival-minded about it in a weird way where mm. it's like, yeah, you don't go over 18 minutes because then you're in a different category. But I think it was 20 pages, you know, and it was like, it was a fast 20 pages and we left room for improv and Ben- and is Re- it a half hour show or an hour? It's a half hour show, yeah. And Ben Rameka plays Henry's coworker in it, who's just so good. And Morgan Grace Jarrett's amazing. She's like the love interest with all the bite. But yeah, we let everybody play and- basically just went in with a structure that was like, when you're shooting a pilot presentation, it's weird. Like we got, we got a little too ambitious maybe mm-hmm. because we were like almost making a whole episode. Yeah. But usually the expectation is like, give us 10 minutes of tape that feels like your show, right. which can be a sizzle with like found clips, mm-hmm. you know, with like a voiceover. But you know, yeah, we were, it's like we were, a proof of concept. It's a sales right. tool as much as it is a, a show. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not, that's just not how Josh and I work. Like yeah. we, we wanted to overdo it because it helps us understand what we're making. Right, right, totally. And so what's the next step at IFC? They've been great. They've sort of like, they've taken us in like Titanic survivors and put us up at the Jane Hotel. No, they're great. They've been super, super helpful. We handed everything in. So we're just waiting back on them. So you show them this pilot presentation, this 18 minute video you made. They say, we like it. And then let's develop a sh- like a show Bible. Let's write a pilot script. What's yeah, the next they, step? they bought two episodes and a Bible. Two and, scripts. Yes. Yeah. Which fortunately, you know, we had already kind of gotten the bones down on the page right. with comedy. And it was just a matter of like a little bit of tone shifting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, jo- Josh and I were like, we've broken stories for the whole season. So, you know, it's anyone's guess what's next. Maybe they'll ask more scripts or maybe they'll love it enough to give us a show. Can you guys, just for our some of our newer filmmaker listeners, can you just define what breaking a story means? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's abstract, but it's like, I, I guess the proper way of using it is in, in a room you sit down and you sort of just go through and outline what's going to be happening in the episode in like a very methodical way. Or maybe it starts like we did with like that one scene and then you build around it. But basically it's just like, you know, plot pointing. So you go into writing with a, with a roadmap. Yeah, right. basically building your outline, more exactly. or less. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it implies, like when you broke in the story, that you like finally figured it out. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that we we know we want this, we know we want this, but I it's not interesting. It. Yeah. yeah. It's well, like, most of the time that happens in the shower for me. It's just like, <laughs> sure. oh my God, so stupid. Yeah, yes, yeah. of course. Of like course. that's That's what I'm missing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a thing where I feel like oftentimes people will get excited about an idea or like you want to write the jokes or the set pieces or whatever the thing normally like the the plot isn't the thing that is the most exciting about your script right and so if you don't do a good job of outlining and breaking then you get into it and sometimes you don't know where you're going Mm -hmm. right certainly i've done that plenty of times and then like you have to go back out and realize and sometimes again like you know depending on what your process is you're 
you need to execute a little bit to get it, you know, under your fingers. As For I like sure. Say. Yeah. I mean, I've gone into so many shoots with scripts that I've written, which like, I, you know, I've just learned that like, why am I even saying this? Like, it's just, and you learn in the edit, you know, it's like, yeah, I yeah. just cut all that out. Like, so why did I waste all this time shooting this? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, and you get better about that as, as you develop as like a storyteller, but it's like, you know, the first draft is usually like an intention draft for mm -hmm. me. It's like, here's everybody's intentions, like very clearly on the page. And here are some like moments where things are going to be funny or, mm -hmm. or, or there's going to be a shift. And you know, the thesis statement of this scene is this. Right. And, and then you know you're ending before you start for every script. Yeah. Um, I've done it both ways. I highly recommend the version where you spend a year thinking about it and planning <laughs> it before you put anything down. But you know, I've also, I've also done the, you know, just shit it out thing. What's that expression like? The vomit draft. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the worst, the uh, worst finished script is still better than the best unfinished script. Sure. Oh, interesting. Did I goof on that? Yeah. I, that makes sense either way. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, getting a script done is is super important. So whatever whatever gets you there, because then you have something to work with. Yeah. Right. And um, just because I'm curious, when you make the pilot presentation, do you, you obviously can't promise the actors or anyone involved in it that they will be attached if this show goes. Is that something like once, if IFC greenlights you shooting stuff, is there, you have to go through the casting process again and all that stuff? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm so adamant after all this time and living in this world of thinking about these characters that our instincts were, were pretty right on. Mm -hmm. That would be, that would be treacherous. Like if IFC said, you know, we love the show, but you know, right. this person has to go or right. something like that. Um, so many famous stories, like 30 Rock, you know, the Jane Krakowski character was supposed to be... Um, Rachel Dratch. Yeah, Rachel yeah. Dratch. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> how devastating you create this whole thing and then you have to, the network just doesn't like a few of your choices. Well, this was, I mean, you know, secondary, but still a thought in our heads when we were shopping for a, a new home for it after comedy passed. It was like, wh what's a network that's like going to allow us to use this as a vessel, mm -hmm. you know, for, for these actors, this talent. I mean, there are a couple parts in, in the show that are like interchangeable, you know, no offense, John Hurd, but you know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know if he'd want to do the show. Right. Uh, He's we, like, it. Beverly Hills airport apparently doesn't exist. So <laughs> I am out. The commute sucks now. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I think he did it because he used to live in the area where we shot at Kingston, oh, New York. Funny. I honestly think it was like, yeah, yeah, the script. Okay, cool, yeah, yeah. cool. Kingston? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love that that omelet they make at Deet Stadium Diner. It is pretty nice <laughs> up there, right? Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's cool. I mean, you know, yeah. if you're it's this I'm sure it was nostalgic for him and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll go fuck around with these kids, sure. Yeah, I think also sometimes actors just like want to do a cool young project. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this is a cool thing. Let's go do it. You yeah. know, they Google you and you're like, oh, okay, some stuff's happening. Yeah, it's really lucky. I mean, I just wrote a short that I got, I had reached out to an actress I was really excited about. And she said, you know, I really love it, but it's just not right for me right now. And I, it's so respectable when people handle it that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that happens for a reason. You don't want to necromance somebody into doing your part. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's better that way. Yeah. It's better when somebody's like really honest with you. Well, awesome. I think you have a lot of insight. It would be awesome to have you back on in Are the future. Are you kidding? Whenever. But you have a flight to catch, and I have a tech scout to go <laughs> to. <laughs> so let's just jump straight into the the last segment of our show where we talk about things that we are liking this week. It's called Unpaid Endorsements. I have oh, one for you, Oren. I know you love video essays. There's a new guy doing them. It's a YouTube channel called Lessons from a Screenplay. Mm-hmm. And it's 
oh. more screenwriting oriented. Did I scoop you? No, but I've been watching it. So um, good, right? Yeah, he did this like analysis about Black Swan versus Whiplash, like mm-hmm. the Descent into Madness, which is like similar to the script I'm writing about. Oh, right on. And those movies are two that I've always been kind of referencing. And then he did, you know, sometimes it's nice to see those and just try to, when you're a little stuck, like just copy their beats until mm-hmm. you figure out your own beats. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And he does just a really good job of breaking down specifically why a screenplay is working the way it's working. So yeah, so that's that's my endorsement. Lessons from a screenplay. We'll have links in the show notes. Nice. Cool. Well, I just read this article. I actually didn't even read the article this morning, just the first couple paragraphs, but <laughs> it validates this theory I had that I've talked on the podcast before, which is that the election has made me like the least productive person in all, of all time. So apparently one third of Americans, <laughs> the Atlantic has an article called People Are Finding It Hard to Focus on Work Right Now. A survey finds that nearly a third of people say they have been less productive since the election. And all these like managers are like, all my employees are doing is like reading the news and yelling at each other. Devastation. Um, And so it's like, I think no matter what side of the vote you're on, it's like, it's just so hard to get away from the news. And it's also like, you want to maybe channel it and like be creative and like, oh, I'll write a character that's like Donald Trump or something. But you you just cannot even guess what he's going to do tomorrow or what someone from his administration will do. And it's like, it's interesting. I'm just waiting for it to pass and I don't see an end coming. Do you soon. think that you're at all like addicted to that anxiety? Because I think about that all the time. Like oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, like I'm not doing anything about this, right? Like I'm going to go to a protest or whatever, but like I'm reading on Facebook right now, like all your senators or whatever, but like that's wh- why am I doing this? I'm getting myself like all frothed up, you know? Right. Yeah. My wife kind of started this like activism group <laughs> yeah. that. So, I mean, there is like some attempt at doing things. I haven't done anything. We each like kind of picked a topic that's bothering us the most. And for me, it was like the fake news thing. Like mm-hmm. like the idea that anyone can say anything is fake news removes the power from that meaning anything. Oh, yeah. And how we combat that. And I had some ideas. So I'm trying to do stuff. But yeah, like yesterday I had a crazy busy work day and I hadn't read the news all day. And I got into bed at like 1 a.m. and I was like, <sighs> let's see what happened. And yeah. And it was like the it's so minute Ivanka minute. Trump yeah. like uh, it's such clothing line stuff. Well, you know, I, I told you the guys this, but like, I think my phone tapped into my like algorithm of what I click on oh, right. in, in my news app. And it's just like all devastation. All time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm, be, I'm reading the paper more. I'm reading a newspaper. Cause it's like, occasionally there's like a human interest story. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You know, just a little breather, you know, yeah. something, just something. There is a theory. My friend had forever ago when Gmail came out, I was like, Oh, check out Gmail. It's so awesome. And he's like, nah, I'm never going to use that. And I was like, why? He's like, well, they give you ads based on your emails. They like read your emails and advertise you. I was like, well, they don't read your emails. Like some algorithm is like says, sees the word taco. So they tell you about like a, you know, Taco Bell sale or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but there's a problem inherent in that. And I was like, what's the problem? He's like, have you seen they, Minority Report, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they, the problem is that they are making you more you every, like mm-hmm. the advertising is so targeted that like what they show Vince reinforces what Vince thinks and wants. Mm-hmm. What they show you, you know, Matt, they reinforces you. So you never find anything new and you right. become, and, and I think honestly, the election is like a perfect example of that. Like, Everybody was in the you know dark about what everyone else thought because everything we consume is fine tuned for us. Tailored to us, yeah. Yeah, that we don't consume anything outside of what we want. Anyway, well, I do love tacos, so at least. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Not when that 20% tariff hits. You better <laughs> yeah. find a new passion, my oh, friend. No. Well, you know there's no tacos in Mexico. Oh, no, there's no burritos in Mexico. Yeah. yeah, no burritos in Mexico or Texas, I learned recently. Oh, wow. Okay, endorse something. I, you know, I've been, my escape, oddly, has been, uh, I've been checking out a lot of street photography. Mm-hmm. That's been, like, a really cool, like, escape like dashed uh, lines versus the straight lines double yellow yeah white. well it's funny what street photography means for like you know how a group of people are feeling and what you can get out of it based on you know but there's there's some really poignant saw leaders like my favorite mm-hmm. um there's also i really like uh i've always liked wim wenders but like i'm getting more into his photo stuff mm. which is just like you know it's and a, where are you consuming it is it like are you following him on instagram books. or, or no, books, books oh, which yeah. is like I've, I've been yeah. buying yeah like art books yeah which is like it's just fun to have on your coffee table and flip through and you know you can be a dick when people come over and be like oh you don't know saw leader yeah they also make like really good decorations like three or four of them like on a shelf like, mm-hmm. like piled <laughs> flat with like a little vase yeah, on top definitely i've been trying to get my wife that. into that i want to move I, I hoard books, obviously. So yeah, my wife like will go through the bookshelf and pick like all the ones with a really nice, kind of classy looking spine. Like she would never have like that Invisibles book or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that graphic. One's, that one's so hitters. good though, so good. And then she'll just put them on a shelf, and it, it'll look like amazing, like IKEA. Your wife does have very good taste. You don't have any Target lamps, basically, is what I'm saying. We <laughs> might. <laughs> My wife's rule is like you can have up to two pieces of Ikea furniture per room. Oh, that's a good rule. Wow. But anyway, how can we find out more about you, Vince? I just made my own website. I built my own website. Oh, cool. Um, In addition to joshandvince.com, there's now vincentpayon.com. Oh, Oh, nice. And Uh, how do you spell payon? P-E-O-N-E. P-E-O-N. Yeah. Okay. I always say P as in Peter at a bar, and then they're like, we don't have anything for Peter. (laughs) Always happens. Um, You don't have your card, Peter. Uh, No. Uh, But yeah, uh, yeah, it's just like sort of like a a little bit more of a curated version of like the stuff that, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I've contributed more to or something. And do you tweet as well or? I do, yeah. You can find me at at Vincent Payone on Twitter. Nice. It's been very political lately. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're just tweeting photos of the newspaper articles. Yeah, well, reading. I work at Breitbart. <laughs> okay, so, cool, uh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. gotcha. If Breitbart came to you and said, we need you to start our original video department at Breitbart News. I would do it in a heartbeat. Name oh, your really? price. Yeah. Name your price I would to do it make for free. Can alt-right you... content. <laughs> no, but can you imagine, to me, our biggest problem in the media, left-wing, mm. liberal, west, like coastal elite world is there's no way for us to break through to the Breitbart mm-hmm. audience and Donald Trump is telling them to not trust anything right. that we make. Right. So if Breitbart came to me and was like, hey, we want you to do videos infiltrate. for our site. Yeah, yeah. Not infiltrate. I would be like, okay, well, I want to find the values that Warren is the rogue, care about. rogue one dad. You're building like the Death Star trench, basically. Yeah, this might be a better idea. <laughs> My original idea was just to get like a thousand progressives and just you know every time there's an insanely wrong article to just get everyone to go leave two or three comments oh about, interesting like kind of a troll i mean use their own weapons like troll you, army yeah troll army it doesn't have to be mean it just has mm-hmm. to be like hey no one's paying me to be here but you'd have to hang out with those people the thousand people the how no whoever works at breitbart you'd have to hang out with them yeah yeah the, in the hypothetical job sort of situation the video yeah well, you have to like i don't know maybe go to work at breitbart. something and yeah. maybe hire like-minded individuals as to me or to them 
to well, I guess to them because you know, you, I mean, the figurative you is working at Breitbart. So I mean, my goal isn't destruction. <laughs> it's not like the Death Star, and I'm looking for their. I mean, I thought about like, button. I, yeah, great, a million dollar a salary, a year salary, yeah, yeah. and like you know, half of that goes to every charity. Right. Yeah. Uh, my goal is communication. Is opening the lines of communication, and I think that's like a way you can do it. I don't know. Anyway, we got to wrap up. I don't think any of us guys. are going to work at Breitbart. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't guys, think the, the calls uh, are coming in. I'm, we I'm should start Breitbart, but it's like B-R-I-G-H-T, like the yeah, smart yeah. version, <laughs> the elitist version, I guess. Uh, anyway, you can find out more about our podcast on our website, justshootitpodcast.com or justshootitpod.com. I think both they both work. work. You can follow me at Smitey Pileg. And me at Mr. Bad Enlo. This episode was edited by Eric Cropo. Thanks, Eric. Music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Check out Eric's company, Flashpoint.io, if you ever need a trailer cut or other production work. Or just to hang out with a cool dude. Yes, and please, if you have some time, rate us on iTunes and leave us a comment. It can be negative or bad or just tell us you don't like us. Yeah, We'd or, love to or, hear that. Or just be nice. That, that's cool, too. That make me feel better. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, thanks a lot, cool. guys. Thanks. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, my Uber's here. Bye.